It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 179 for February 7th, 2010. Recorded on February 6th. You ever get a new piece of software and not know how to use it and be extremely frustrated because of that? When you're trying to learn the basics of a new piece of software that you've purchased, or even if you just want to pick up some of the application's finer points after you've used the application for a while, you might want to know about Linda, Linda Weinman. She's the co-founder of Linda.com, the online library of training videos. Although the training videos range in subject matter from Perl programming and how to get the most out of eBay to Joomla and Drupal, by far the most common subjects are Adobe Photoshop and other components of the Creative Suite and digital photography. As I tell you more about Lynda.com, you'll understand why that is. I frequently use Lynda.com for background information when I'm working with a new application or a new version of an application that I've worked with previously. It's a quick and easy way to learn how something works by watching experts use it. Lynda.com has an online training library that consists of more than 650 courses and related exercise files. The programs have been created by subject matter experts. Among the topics covered are Microsoft Office, open source software, Macintosh applications, multimedia, web design, and programming. One thing I found a bit surprising, though, is the fact that some colleges and universities use the company's programs as part of classroom curricula. But, you know, that really makes sense. Although I still like reference books because I can quickly find what I'm looking for in a book, at least if it's well-indexed, the training videos are appealing because they usually come with sample files that a student can use to follow what the instructor is doing, and because the videos are online, the student can view them at any time. One of the colleges that's experimenting with the use of Lynda.com training videos is Indiana University. IU staff, faculty, and students can view any of the training programs on the site until June 30th of this year. It's a test program. A news release from Indiana University puts it this way. IU is developing innovative programs that consider user preferences and learning styles to advance the IT skills of faculty, staff, and students. They're quoting Stacy Marone, Associate Dean for Learning Technologies. Marone continues, The Lynda.com video-based e-learning options are wide-ranging and especially well-suited to varying skill levels, self-directed explorations, and delivery on demand. Indiana University stresses that the online programs are to be used in conjunction with classroom work. Students can view the programs at any time and work their way through the Adobe CS4 courses and exercise files. Faculty can incorporate fee-free video training into their curriculum or assign them as outside training. This eliminates the need, they say, to spend limited class time. Makes a lot of sense. So why the heavy emphasis on graphics at lynda.com? Well, I can think of two reasons why so many of the applications that lynda.com teaches involve graphics and photography. First, these visual applications lend themselves to the kind of online training that the company does best. But it's also undoubtedly because co-founder Linda Weinman is a graphics professional who has written books on web design, taught at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, worked as an animator and motion graphics director, and has been a consultant to Adobe Macromedia and Microsoft. 
Bruce Heaven, who is Linda's husband, is the other co-founder of the business. He is a graduate of Art Center College of Design in illustration, and he is a painter and illustrator who works with traditional and electronic media. So I'm thinking that might explain the emphasis on graphics. The bottom line for Lynda.com is four cats. When you want to learn, this is a really good place to start. Lynda.com can help you learn how to use a digital camera, how to get the most out of Adobe applications, even how to succeed with eBay. Later versions of their training videos offer captions, and for a small extra fee, you'll have access to all of the sample files that help you follow what the instructor is doing. Subscriptions start at $25 per month. If you'd like more information, check out the lynda.com website. You'll find a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. On Friday of this week, we had a fairly significant snowstorm in central Ohio. Nothing like what they had out east, but it was enough to get my attention. It reminded me of spam. Like the city dump in a windstorm, spammers and scammers keep changing the landscape. The underlying goal is always the same, but the techniques keep changing. I gave the slop bucket a closer look than normal this week, fished out a few of the smelly pieces I thought I'd share with you. I have to give one scammer credit for developing a really good hook. Probably you've seen some of those, is this your picture, scams. But this one shifts into high gear. It's guaranteed to snag somebody who has a quick temper and who isn't too bright. Those two things often go together. The message claims to be for Maura Sanford. The subject line is, Some jerk has posted your photos. The message says, Hey, some jerk posted your pictures. You understand what kind of pictures are there. And sent a link of them to all your friends. I've already replied back, said that he's an idiot. See the link. Click that link, and the almost certain result will be an infected computer. Then here are three that... I put together in kind of a set. The first message is about voice over IP. It promises a study that will help you choose a vendor. At the bottom, there's a claim about ethical marketing and the name of a company that claims to be in Michigan. It says, We only support ethical email marketing. To remove yourself from future mailings, please visit here. Here, of course, is a link. To use our automated removal system, you will be removed from our mailing database within seven days. New Source Media in Grandville, Michigan, it says. The next one is purportedly for the DISH network, satellite TV. The design of the message is far inferior to the previous one, but at the bottom... We only support ethical email marketing. To remove yourself from future mailings, please visit here to use our automated removal system. You will be removed from our mailing database within seven days. It's signed Satellite TV Quote in San Diego. And then behind door number three, we have a spam from a Christian media company. They're offering a complimentary 12-month listing in their newest creation, Secretry.com. And at the bottom... We only support ethical email marketing. To remove yourself from future mailings, please visit here to use our automated removal system. You will be removed from our mailing database within seven days. Name of the company? Uh, missing. They apparently forgot to fill in the company name and the city and state where they're supposedly located. We'll come back to this theme in a little bit. The next message I found was kind of amusing. It claims to be from Microsoft. It says I'm receiving it because I subscribe to MSN Featured Offers, which, as you probably already know, I did not 
and had I done so, it wouldn't have been from the address that the message was sent to. But what's particularly amusing is that there was no offer. There's just a click here at the top of the page. I think there was supposed to be a graphic there. Whatever it was they were pitching, the graphic didn't make it. And here's a pretty good one. Subject line, Visa card beginning with four possible fraudulent transaction. Dear Visa card holder, a recent review of your transaction history determined that your card was used at an ATM located in Turkey. But for security reasons, the requested transaction was refused. You need to complete the Visa cardholder form. You can do this by clicking the link below. Well, for starters, the number is meaningless. All Visa cards begin with four. The first four digits, in fact, identify the bank. The fraudster wants me to follow the link which claims to go to Visa, but actually goes to a website in the United Kingdom. And I received one that suggested that I work smarter, not harder. How is time managing you? Take this test, it said. Short test, free, it'll take less than five minutes. I, of course, did not click the link. But I did notice at the bottom of the message, we only support ethical email marketing. To remove yourself from future mailings, please visit here to use our automated removal system. You will be removed from our mailing database within seven days. And this one claimed to come from M2 Tech USA Inc. in Clearwater, Florida. It could be that each of several creeps bought the same spamming tool and that some of them simply know more about how to run it than others. Or it could be one big spamming operation. I'm thinking it's probably the former, a tool that's sold to a lot of different people. But it doesn't matter much either way. No matter how you slice it, it's still just baloney. And this old standby continues to be used. Dear customer, we were not able to deliver the package sent on the 14th of January in time because the recipient's address is inexact. Please print out the invoice copy attached and collect the package at our department, United Parcel Service of America. The attached zip file, were I to open it, would try to turn my computer into a zombie. And I got a similar message just a couple of minutes later. This one claimed to come from DHL. Hello, the courier service was not able to deliver your parcel at your address. Cause, mistake in address. You may pick up the parcel at our post office personally. The delivery advice is attached to this email. Print the label to get this package at our post office. For some reason, these spammers don't quite comprehend the difference between a post office, as in the U.S. Postal Service, and other delivery services such as DHL and UPS. A listserv-based discussion list I'm associated with has been receiving fraudulent messages for the past several weeks, sometimes 20 or 30 in a single day. They're all rejected by the server, so they don't go out to the subscribers, but they do show up in my mailbox. Here's one that claims to be from Amazon.com, and it wants me to update my account. See if you can spot the error here. Please take the time and read this message. It contains important information about your Amazon.com account. At Amazon, we routinely perform review of orders and customer accounts to protect our customers. After careful review of your account, please update your account. Yeah, there's mistake number one. I think there was supposed to be some information in there that would tease me into thinking they actually had my account. For your reference, the credit card in question is your Visa Master Amex, which... Yeah, there's mistake number two. I think they were supposed to specify a Visa card, a MasterCard, or an Amex. And I think which wasn't supposed to end the sentence. I think there was supposed to be some indication that maybe the card had been used illegally. So, strike two. Please, you are the rightful holder of the account. Click on the link below to log into your account within the short period. Strike three. 
The link goes to a server located in India. Server is called Pappy Joe. A later variant claimed to be from PayPal. You'll see the sample on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And one thing you'll notice immediately is that my name is not on the message anywhere. PayPal always uses a subscriber's name on the message. Now, don't depend on that to ensure that a message is real, because fraudsters are eventually going to figure out how to mimic this. But if your name isn't there, it's guaranteed to be fraudulent. And this one would take me not to PayPal, but to a server in the Netherlands. More than a dozen of those messages arrived between 4.30 p.m. on January 26th and the following evening. Despite the fact that just a bit of cooperation among providers would eliminate the flow of this crud, or at least stem the tide significantly, that cooperation still has not been forthcoming. So for now, all you can do is pay careful attention and just avoid clicking questionable links. In the early days, back when PC Magazine was several hundred pages big, PC Magazine published a utility every month. The article explained how the utility worked and showed the source code. Over the years, this has changed, and now PC Magazine has a $20 per year utilities option. Subscribe, and you can download any of the magazine's utilities for an entire year. You don't get the source code anymore, but for my money, this is a pretty good way to spend 20 bucks. The magazine no longer publishes a new utility every month, and sometimes an older version of an updated utility actually works better. But there's at least $20 worth of good stuff here. Hundreds, actually, of utilities. So here's just a very short list that includes some of the best and some of the most useless. One called Alt-Tabit, written in 2006. It enhances task switching by showing screenshots of all the running windows, sorting the window list by name or title, and then launching pre-selected apps and files. Although this is useful, it's not needed if you have Vista or Windows 7. In fact, it only supports XP and Windows 2003. ANSI.com. This goes back to 1989. It's a memory resident utility that enables selectable use of the extended screen and keyboard control sequences. Useless. 20 years ago, it was useful, even helpful. Not anymore. They really ought to take this off the site. Auto What from 2002 lets you edit the data that's used in Internet Explorer's autocomplete feature. If you ever find something that you don't want in the autocomplete buffer, maybe a misspelled name or a wrong URL, and you keep selecting it by accident just because it's there, this utility lets you change or delete that problem entry. Good through XP. BHO Cop. BHO stands for Browser Helper Object. You can disable browser helper objects without uninstalling them. Well, a decade ago, that was new and useful. Now there really are better options. That one dates back to 2001. Another goes back to 2001 is Context Edit, which allows you to control which items appear on the Windows Explorer context menus. There's an updated version from 2003, but neither of those is compatible with Vista or Windows 7. And you do have to pay attention to these because sometimes the application will just not work with a later version of Windows. In some cases, it might cause you some problems. Cursor Dance from 1999. Design unique animated Windows mouse pointers with Cursor Dance. This is another one of those utilities that seemed just so very clever a decade or so ago. Most people grew tired of things like that about five minutes after installing them, so I wouldn't recommend downloading that one. 
Here's another one they probably ought to get rid of from 1998. Deco menu. You can use a customized bitmap to decorate the Windows 95 or 98 start menu. Well, that's great if you're still running Windows 95, Windows 98, or Windows NT. Are you? Here's one the techies will like. Disk junction. This works for XP, Vista, and Windows 7, either the 32- or 64-bit version. You can find, create, and delete symbolic links. Interesting utility for advanced users. If you don't know what a symbolic link is, you probably don't want to download this one and play with it. Here's one I really like. End it all, version 2. Supports Windows 95 through XP was written in 2001. When you have to close down all the tasks that are running on your system, End It All 2 tells you what's running and which are safe to close. This utility can kill a program that refuses to shut down. Of course, the built-in task manager can do the same thing, and Windows 7 can whack just about any application that refuses to close. But this is not a bad one to have installed. One I found recently, File Utility Pack 2, written in 2008, supports Windows 2000 XP, Vista, and Windows 7. You can manipulate, batch rename, and gather some information about files. And the file renamer is particularly flexible. Here's one they named What's Going On. Works for Windows 2000, XP, Vista, and also Windows 7. You can get access to stats like the hard drive activity, external IP address, CPU consuming processes, uptime, and some other useful information. It's a fairly intrusive monitor application, and by intrusive I mean it takes up a lot of screen real estate, but you can collapse it to the tray if you'd like. This one's really useful in determining how your system's resources are being used. You find all the downloads on the PC Magazine website. There's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you have installed Windows 7, you're going to find a lot of utilities that no longer work or are no longer needed. But even for Windows 7 users, there may be enough here to be worth $20. It all depends on how you use your computer, what utilities you already have, and what utilities you might need. If you've listened to my blather for more than a couple of episodes, you know that I am a self-admitted utility junkie. So, PC Magazine Utilities, eh, three cats. Utilities just do one thing, but they do that one thing very well. In general, that's also a good description for the PC Magazine Utilities Library. You won't find any big applications here, but you will find some decent workmanship and some small applications that do one thing very well. In short circuits, the fact that no small number of Mac fans have dissed the iPad for its name, its weak feature set, and its operating system, well, that hasn't kept the Windows community from gushing over how wonderful it is. Even those who might be inclined to buy one, perhaps remembering the painful lessons of the early iPhone buyers, say they're waiting for version 2. But the iPad got Amazon's attention, and the company reacted quickly. Amazon has acquired a company called TouchCo, a maker of touch screen technology. And what's particularly interesting about this company's products is that more than one person can touch the screen at the same time, or one person can touch multiple places. Nobody is talking about the terms of the deal, but it's known that TouchCo is a tiny startup with fewer than 10 employees. The New York Times says it began as a project at New York University's Media Research Lab. The new technology would add about $10 to the production cost of Amazon's Kindle reading devices, and that compares favorably with the cost of Apple's touchscreen technology, very favorably, in fact. Besides costing less, the TouchGo technology is said to be more versatile because it can record multiple contact points simultaneously. 
If it's nothing else, the iPad would be a decent reader device, but the Kindle has a big head start in that market, and clearly Amazon isn't willing to cede any territory. Amazon earlier announced plans for an online application store like the one Apple has for the iPod and iPhone, so this is going to be an interesting battle to keep an eye on. Yahoo continues to shrink. The goal is to put emphasis on its core business units and spin off those operations that aren't key to Yahoo's core competencies. The latest to go is Hot Jobs, acquired by Monster for $225 million. Monster says the job market is improving, and the acquisition makes sense in today's marketplace. Monster already has about a third of all U.S. job listings, and the deal would leave Monster with just one significant competitor, CareerBuilder.com. The company says it doesn't expect regulators to be concerned with the deal because of the small size of Hot Jobs which had 2009 revenues of about $100 million. That compares to Monster's nearly $1 billion. The deal calls for Monster to pay Yahoo between $20 and $31 million per year for traffic redirected from Yahoo to Monster. The deal should close by September at the latest, and Monster says it will then double the number of newspapers it works with. That number is currently about 500. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.